Wire podcast, your go-to source for all things retail. Whether you're a seasoned industry veteran or just dipping your toes into the world of retail, our podcast is your one-stop shop for the latest trends, insights, and discussions that are shaping the future of retail. Let's dive into today's episode. We're here joined by Aaron DeAngelis and uh, Betsy Weekland from Pet Supply Plus. Uh, very happy to have you on the show. Thanks for having Thanks us. For having us. There's something unique about Pet Supply Plus, and I thought, why, why don't we just dive straight into it? Um, how is Pet Supply Plus different than other pet retailers in that category? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing is that um, Pet Supply Plus focuses on local. Um, so we are your neighborhood pet store, and we create an experience that's much more personal than in the big box retailers. So. Um, you know, we are um, corporate and franchise based. The majority of that is franchise. Um, so our owners really have a stake in their business and they, they, they want to make a difference in the community. So, you know, you'll see our stores participate in, you know, local events. You'll see like a tent at an art fair or at a local high school football game, um, passing out coupons, um, just really feeling part of that community, like I said. Um, which a lot of, you know, bigger box retailers just can't execute that. So we have owners who are invested who can take that time. Um, and, you know, it's easier to coordinate when it's on a one-off basis versus trying to send something down corporately. So I think that's really where we win um, because it makes our neighbors um, feel connected to our store and want to shop with us versus the competition. Yeah, to Aaron's point, um, one of, one of the things that we do is we refer to our consumers as our neighbors because that's literally what they are. Um, we are your neighborhood pet store and the folks who shop in our stores are neighbors to the folks who own and, and work in the stores. So it's a very local, very community-based feeling. I caught that word, but I didn't know who you were talking about. I heard <laughs> our neighbors and I thought other people who live around the store, but yes, um, yes. but you actually... <laughs> It, part of your uh, company culture is you have different terminology for uh, customers than than other retailers. Yeah, because we put such an emphasis on our neighbors or customers, um, we we couldn't be where we are at where we're at now today without them. So, you know, we think that we have a special loyalty with them. So, just to call them a customer doesn't feel right. We just feel like. They're our neighbors, they're our friends, they're people within our communities that, you know, it's just not a business interaction. It's we all have, you know, the best interests of, you know, their lives and their pets' lives, right? So um, we think neighbor is a perfect way to to kind of label, I guess, a customer um, because, you know, we're going to be there for them when, when they have questions or need help with their pets. Have you seen that mindset um, really spread to the different franchise owners? Oh, for sure. Um, I think that's what kind of attracts people to joining our Pet Supplies Plus family. Um, you know, they're people. There's who, another word. <laughs> <laughs> yep, the family neighbors. You're, you're you're picking up a theme here. That's right. <laughs> um, but you know, that's just something that they want to be a part of, and it makes it fun. So the pet industry is a fun place to be in the first place. Um, but it's just taking it that next step further. That you know, it's they're not just in the daily grind of stocking their shelves, filling orders, checking out. Um, at point of sale, but they can, you know, do fun things to get outside of the store. Like even if it's just an event in the parking lot, 
to talk and interact um, and help make recommendations and help our neighbors find the best products for their pets. So it's definitely um, a great place to be. And everyone who joins sticks around for a long time. Um, Cause like I said, it's a family and we all love working together. Um, speaking of this, I hear a lot of uh, local community involvement and I'm sure you're getting feedback about products. Is there a process that you've built into this that you can take that feedback from the different owners and, and make adjustments and make decisions? Yep. Yep. So we have, um, you know, an internal communication system. So, um, you know, our owners are required to follow our planograms. However, if there's something that, you know, maybe it's a certain flavor of food that we don't carry that someone's asking for, or a different color leash, like maybe we carry the brand, but we don't have it in orange. Um, there's a process where an owner or store manager can make a request and then the buyer reviews it and determines whether or not um, we're okay with them adding it into um, their assortment. So we're always keeping our ears open. That is actually one of the big ways that we find new products is listening to our store owners um, because they're right there on the front line. Um, you know, the owners, the managers, our team members, they let us know what our um, neighbors are asking for. And it's funny because a lot of times, you know, I'll see a request come through for a certain flavor and say, oh yeah, you know, I was just talking with a pet partner about that. Like, I think, yeah, I'll definitely consider that or I will add it in the next reset. So um, I think we all are pretty like-minded, um, but it's always nice to kind of get that reinforcement from uh, the store teams that an item will do well. Before I go further, I wanted to ask a little bit more about your specific roles in the company, because I think that your role will um, have a unique perspective on what's happening here. At, and Aaron, uh, you're talking about merchandising and, and choosing products. Yep. Um, and, and so Aaron and Betsy, I just wanted to give you a chance to explain your, your role in the company. Yeah, so um, I am a category manager. I um, manage cat food and litter. Um, so, you know, category manager, buyer, kind of interchangeable, um, work on some higher strategic things, but overall, when you get down to it, it's um, finalizing the assortment um, for those categories for all of our stores, as well as putting promotional plans in place. Yep. And I am our director of private brands. Uh, so my role here is to help develop strategy and guide the development process for the private brand uh, brands that we carry and the individual products within them. Um, and in addition to doing that, we work very closely with the merchants um, to make sure that the stuff we're developing works in their set, or if there's something that they are missing from their set that they really haven't been able to find from a national brand, that's an opportunity for us to build one of our own. Um, and so we work really closely with them as well to develop all the private brand products that we carry in our stores. That sounds like a good segment. Both of you work together. Um, what is that process when you hear requests from the store owners uh, and you're hearing the neighbors, see what I did? Yeah. Uh, the neighbors are saying they want a certain type of product and now your job is to find that. If you can't find it, is that when you look at doing private label or what are the, what are the strategies uh, behind that? So a lot of times um, 
some of the deciding factors as to whether or not we're going to bring in a branded product versus build our own private label product um, depends on availability, uh, depends on costing, depends on quality. Um, if there are things out there, but we're not super satisfied with the way somebody else is doing it, uh, private label is an excellent opportunity for us to kind of take those reins and make sure that whatever product we're bringing in is exactly what we want it to be um, in terms of features and benefits, but also um, from a consumable side in terms of ingredients and formulations and, and things like that as well. Um, it's a great opportunity for us to make sure that we're really tapping into what the neighbors are asking for. Um, and, and reacting to that feedback to provide them with the best possible product. Yeah, an example I can think of, so prior to uh, managing uh, cat food, I was on apparel and a lot of times after each season, we would get requests saying, hey, we didn't, you know, why don't we carry dog dresses in size 3XL? Well, we didn't think that People wanted to put, you know, their Rottweilers and dresses, but okay, if you're getting requests, like let's let's add that to the next season. So, that I think a lot of that comes into the seasonal play as well, where maybe we missed something, overlooked something, and then we can make sure again, like getting that feedback from our neighbors that we have at the following season. What would be a, a, a difficult choice to put a private go private label? Uh, it sounds like there are some times where it's an easy choice. Let's do it. Um, mm -hmm. But there are other times where it might be more difficult. There's a lot more involved. Yep, for sure. Um, sometimes it's a matter of reviewing the set as a whole. Um, and the merchants will kind of do some analysis to figure out um, if there are branded products that just aren't performing and if they have an idea as to why those aren't performing and if we could, you know, essentially build a better mousetrap ourselves um, and put something in that slot that might be better performing. Um, and, and like you said, sometimes sometimes we weigh the options and it turns out branded really is the right way to go. Um, so it, there's a lot of, of thought and, and intention that goes behind um, whether or not we, we bring in a private brand item or, or a national branded item. Yeah, and I think just one other thing I'd add to what Betsy said on the consumable side, we really need to consider the quality and you know the ingredients that is going into that product, right? So if we're just creating you know, a bigger size of a, a dress or a different color of a ball, that's pretty easy to execute. But if we're thinking about what is actually going into um, a pet's, you know, stomach, like, you know, how's it going to affect their health? There's definitely more of a process, more testing. And, you know, we're, we're not going to mess around with anything that's not the right quality. So if we don't feel like we are able to provide, you know, a superior option, then, you know, we'll pass on it and, and, and lean on the branded side. How do you compare when you're selecting products? Um, how do you end up comparing to some of your competitors? You mean how we select the products or? When you're looking at um, your own selection versus others, is there a certain lane that you're in versus them? I, you know, yeah, I would say a little different. Yeah, I would say on, you know, when it comes to the branded side, we like to look for those independent brands, um, things that you're not going to find um, in mass retailers. Like, don't get me wrong, you know, we have those brands that you're going to see everywhere. But when we're looking for newness, we're looking for things that, um, you know, could be a differentiator that you're not going to see everywhere. And then we like to work with those brands and then help them grow. Um, and then they um, in turn, you know, become really important um, 
to our to our owners, to our team members, and to our neighbors. So that's um, definitely a big factor that we consider. Um, whereas I think you know some of the competition kind of just goes after things that are already blowing up, that are already you know in many doors and are already proven winners. And we're not afraid to, and I don't want to say take risks, but, you know, uh, take a chance on a brand that might be lesser known because we know that it'll in the end be a differentiator for us. Yeah. And to Aaron's point, that's actually one of the, one of the retail benefits of having private label as well. Um, in addition to being able to control the quality and the assortment ourselves, um, it also builds loyalty with our neighbors um, because our private brands um, are, are technically standalone brands. Um, they're just more like house brands. Uh, and so when the neighbors fall in love with a, a a private brand dog food or a private brand cat food or something like that, um, people tend to be very loyal to the brands of food that they feed their pets um, with good reason. Um, and we love that because then they have to come back to Pet Supplies Plus stores to get those brands. Um, and it really helps us out um, in terms of building that community and that sense of trust and loyalty with our neighbors. The classic way was, well, we were the generic brand. Right. Like right. I remember growing up, it was like Target had the generic brand. And now it sounds like there's this advantage that you've tapped into. Um, when you make a quality private label brand, it it builds loyalty because there's nowhere else that these right. um, neighbors can can buy the product. That's right. Yeah. And we've actually had people, um, neighbors, and we've gotten feedback that they don't necessarily even realize that it's a private brand um, because it looks like a, a fully fleshed out brand with marketing and, and with, you know, imagery and merchandising. And and um, the ingredient listings are, are comparable, if not better than the national brands. And so they don't even necessarily realize that it's a private brand until they try to find it in another store. And <laughs> they have to come back and they're like, I looked all over for it. I can't find it really. That's right. <laughs> That's where you'll find like in Google search terms would be like, is this brand um, That's right. owned by? And I'm guessing those would be more custom fit for your exact type of customer as well. They are. Yeah. I mean, we definitely we do a lot of research about who our target demographics are and who our neighbors are. Um, it's it's certainly not everybody. There certainly are people who just prefer to shop at those big box stores or who don't have time to go to a, spe a specific pet store and just, you know, shop at a mass store for their pet food or whatever. Um, but we have found that our neighbors tend to be people who are really focused on their pets and who treat their pets like family. Um, and their pets are part of the community, too, and part of our neighborhood. So um, they, they tend to be a little bit more involved and a little bit um, discerning. So um, we, we like to gear our private brands toward those neighbors because we have an idea of what they're looking for. Um, but we also have the advantage of having a really close-knit um, communication channel with our store owners and the people who work at the stores, the team members, um, so that if there is anything that the neighbors are still asking for, we can react to that as well. Yeah, and we know that like there's not a one-size-fit-all option, especially when it comes to food for our neighbors, right? So we've developed um, a few brands to make sure that, you know, we have something for everybody and that has really served us well. So we have, you know, our more like opening price point brands, like in Cat, for example, that's like our Mittens Morsels and Mittens Pickens. And then we have our more natural brand for natural food customers and that's our Redford Naturals. 
Um, and then we recently launched in the past year Optum Plus, which is like a functional science-based um, dog and cat food. And, um, you know, just to give option to those neighbors who are, are fo focused more on those functional benefits. So again, like keeping the neighbor first, we're not going to force them into want any one lane. So we want to make sure that we have a well-rounded assortment. So, you know, there's something for the type of food or even the price point that someone's looking for and they can give a quality product to their pet. Those are three very clear segments. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what we've seen, um, you know, kind of pop in, in terms of the way that our neighbors are shopping. Um, so, you know, as we've seen different categories grow, we just want to make sure that we're playing on, you know, the private label side. I mean, we'll always have those um, amazing branded options, um, but we just want to make sure that as we're growing our private brand um, that we have, you know, the different price points of what we see people looking for. And, and again, the different solutions that I mentioned. Um, and it's worked very well. Like they've all been very successful in terms of um, launches and it's been fun to, to see the brands grow and um, the, our store team members get behind it and you know the neighbors um, you know eventually become really loyal as well. So um, I think we have a really nice balance between our uh, private label and our branded product. Um, which, you know, again, I think is, is a nice way or a nice, nice differentiator, um, to the competition because we don't lean too heavy or too heavy either way, um, because we don't want to force the neighbor to choose what we think they should choose. We, we know that ultimately it's their decision. I'm curious about the trends that you've seen over the years. When you first started, um, what was wildly different than today? Is there anything consumer behavior or the way that people are shopping? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me, so I've been um, with the company a little bit longer than Betsy. So I've, I've been here about eight years. Um, and I think it's really in the way that the neighbor shops has been the biggest change. I mean, you're always going to see, you know, different food brands or, or different toys you know, go through peaks and valleys, right? But um, I think the biggest change now is, um, you know, the different way the neighbor wants to shop. So, you know, before, like when I first started, our website was just kind of a place where you could browse, but you couldn't do anything um, in terms of commerce. And now we have um, buy online, pick up in store, and we have delivery from store. And um, I think that that's been um, a really big win for us. We were able to kind of launch that right when the pandemic hit and it really helped us um, stay competitive during that time. And we did really well. Um, and now even, you know, that, you know, that that's well behind us, um, but people may still choose to shop that way. You know, our people don't want to spend time browsing in the store and, you know, they just they want to have that order ready for them. So, again, kind of going back to what I was saying about the brands or the type of you know foods that we have, we're not going to force a neighbor to shop a certain way. Um, they now have options. So I think that's really great. Um, um, and that's probably the biggest change that I've seen. I mean, we're still primarily, you know, um, an in-store retailer, and that's where the majority of our business is. Um, but I think it's great that we have that option for our neighbors. That is really good to have the option, um, even with a franchise model. Yeah, um, for sure. One of the things that we've talked about at Retail Wire is 
you know, while it's great to have the, um, all the options, you know, there's this, you, you always want people walking in the store because there's discovery of new products. Um, is there any ways that you've counteracted that and to find ways to still help your neighbors? Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to get brainwashed into the cult. So. <laughs> it's fun. Um, Lean in. It's great. Yes. <laughs> so any ways that you can help, um, those neighbors discover the new products? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we'll have things highlighted on our website, but for those for pickup orders or in deliveries, sometimes we'll do things called um, a surprise and delight. So it might be I already throwing... like I already like this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that'll be things, you know, we'll work with our pet partners and get samples. So maybe they'll get a and, and every order that has dog food in it, well, they'll get a, a, a sample of a dog treat or maybe it's a tennis ball or sometimes it'll be a coupon um, for, you know, a new product or something that we want them to come back in for. So that's kind of a fun way um, for them to hopefully get inspired to say, oh, hey, I didn't ask for this, but this is a cool treat. Like, I want to go check this out and buy this the next time. Another fun thing that we do, which I forgot to mention when we in the beginning of um, our chat in terms of kind of our local aspect is that for every um, pickup order, our store managers um, leave a handwritten thank you note um, just for a way to still get that connection. So even though that person is, you know, maybe doing their shopping online and running in and grabbing their bag, there's still that local personal connection. And we, our hope is that that makes that neighbor want to come back in and, you know, spend some time because, you know, it's a fun, friendly place to be. Yeah. Another thing that's a huge part of um, our business model um, that really drives folks into the store is that we, um, a, a huge majority of our stores have in-store dog wash um, machines where neighbors can bring their dog in and wash them in our bathtubs and use our blow dryers and our shampoo and everything so they don't make a mess of their bathroom. Um, and then a lot of our locations also have grooming services. So um, those are two things that you can't do online. Um, and so those two service options for our neighbors um, tend to bring a lot of folks into the store. And especially with the grooming, um, a lot of people uh, while their dog is getting groomed, they just wander the aisles because what else are you going to do? Um, so it's it's a really great way to get folks in the store as well and an opportunity for us to get some great signage and some great deals in front of their eyes um, while they're just there. And we have like a captive audience. It's great. You were fully prepared for that question. We didn't even plan that. <laughs> no. um, yeah, to get people into the store, there's so many things you can do. Um, we're seeing that as a trend as well, is that retailers are popping up services that are related um, and just trying to serve uh, the full journey journey. Yeah, definitely. And like the one thing I, you know, going kind of continuing on this topic of getting people into stores and tying it back into the local piece, um, we will try and do events uh, monthly. So um, you know, we're getting the holiday season, um, so all of our stores have um, assets to set up um, pictures with Santa. So, you know, we can have Santa in and people can come bring their pets and, you know, get a picture with Santa. And we've done costume contests. Um, my personal favorite as the cat buyer is in um, May, we do an event called Cinco de Meow. And it's very focused on um, the cat because sometimes I think, you know, the, the, the cat neighbor gets ignored a little bit. Um, so it's a just cat mom, I can attest. Yeah. <laughs> so we got to have something for Betsy, right? 
Um, so, um, yeah, it's just, you know, we'll have uh, demos focused on, you know, cat food or, or different cat products and really showing that cat neighbor some love. And it's just like a fun way to interact with the product and come into the store. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure the, the individual owners love that, too. Yeah. Um, so you're able to provide those ideas and materials and basically the whole plan to make that event happen for each of the local sites. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, we'll provide, um, you know, uh, best practices for them to follow how the day should run. Um, we also support at a corporate level um, the marketing behind it. So, you know, we'll have templates, um, you know, if they want to print out posters or, or send emails from their account or post something on their individual Facebook page. Um, we do all that heavy lifting for them. So, um, you know, they just have to make it happen, but we make it easy uh, to, to bring these things um, to life at their store. Are there any future trends that you're starting to see the, the hints of? Um, any, anything coming up that, you know, others in the category would be interested to hear about or maybe just general retailer um, trends that other retailers would be interested to hear about? You want to take that one, Betsy? Future. I don't know what you guys are looking at in terms of product development. It's like, do we want to share that? I hear cats are psychic too, so. Um, so I think one thing that we're noticing is that um, recently, um, and everybody is noticing this, of course, um, inflation is, is a word that's on everybody's lips. Um, and so one thing that we have done as an organization is to really try to uh, make sure that our price points are as sharp as they possibly can be. Um, and, and doing a lot of private brand, we have a lot of control over that as well. Um, we're in the driver's seat in terms of, of how these things are costed and, and making sure that we're delivering quality products at a great value to our neighbors. Um, and it's, it's something that, again, because of our model, um, given our model, we have a lot of control over the costing of a lot of our goods and we're able to be really mindful of that and make sure that we're providing uh, value products for our neighbors as another way to show them that we are uh, aware of, of the things that are going on for everybody and, and we're sympathetic to it and we're doing what we can to make sure that they can still get the high quality products that they're used to and that their pets deserve um, at a price that won't you know break the bank. That's really important. You're right, it is on everybody's minds. You know, especially in the food and grocery. Yeah. Um, it's often forgot about that that pet food would also be impacted by that. Betsy, if you want to talk about a little bit about what your team's working on now, because you're right in the thick of developing already for next year, right? I mean, seasonal. We are. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're actually wrapping up um, our holiday 24 programs that we're putting together. Um, uh, we typically run a development cycle that's approximately nine to 12 months ahead of when it's going to hit stores. Um, so we are working on holiday and we, um, are wrapping up Halloween and fall as well. So it's all the fun stuff. Like this is the most fun development that we get to do all year. Um, and we are really focusing next year on trying to make sure, like I said, that we're delivering those values. Um, but that we're using still high quality fabrics for the apparel and um, that we're really leaning into some design elements that, um, you know, make things look um, like they're a great value. Um, so a little bit higher end look, um, but maybe not a higher end price tag that goes along with it. 
Um, we're leaning into um, tough materials for dogs that are heavy chewers. We're leaning into um, high quality catnip for our cat friends. Um, and so trying to make sure that all of that comes to life for our neighbors so that everybody can have a happy holiday season again without, you know, stressing their wallets. It's great that you've been able to take the feedback and put it right into your plans. Um, and I bet you're patiently waiting for that stuff to release. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I just always find it so interesting that, you know, I, I think that people who aren't in retail, I'm sure everyone who's listening is, is used to it, but it's just crazy to me that, you know, we're working on holiday 2024 and, you know, it has, it's not even Thanksgiving yet. So um, it's always just kind of fun to think ahead. And there are some days where I'm working all day and I think it's 2024 because I'm already thinking so far ahead. So yeah. it's, it's a pretty yeah. unique thing about retail, I feel like. You're lining up with what you're living through right now and then yeah. putting that into plans next year. Yeah. For sure. I've absolutely told people that, you know, we're in November of 2024 and they just kind of look at me <laughs> like, what? like oh, 23, 23, it's 2023. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure many people can relate to that. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, this has been so great. I think that I've learned a lot about your unique position and I think a lot of retailers listening would be able to hear this and maybe apply it to their category um, because you had so many great ideas that came out, um, off, we didn't have a lot of bullet points planned here. We had, we knew that we were getting to some stuff and I think that we found a lot of golden nuggets of lessons to, to take away. Great. Awesome. It's been really great talking to you. Definitely. Thank you again so much for having us on. This has been fun. Same here. This was so fun. Uh, and, uh, I'm glad I could be, Oh, Am I in the am I in the neighborhood? Of course. <laughs> yeah. You're okay. you're a neighbor. You're an official Absolutely. neighbor. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm gonna have to get uh some toys for my, my daughters. <laughs> the dog toys do double really well as child toys. Um my son sleeps with some, a bunch of our dog toys. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, they have I, I'm sure if we walk in they're gonna find a, a pet that they want, so that's right. They certainly Careful. could. <laughs> um, thank you so much. It's been so great. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you.